Welcome. In Chapter 5, we're going to examine the meaning of gross income and identify exclusions under the code. The first learning objective asks us to apply the concept of realization and explain when taxpayers recognize gross income. You'll recall gross income is all income from whatever source derived. Unless there's a tax provision saying otherwise, gross income includes all income. It's that straightforward. Whenever a taxpayer receives an economic benefit, that is, an item of value, there's going to be gross income. Think cash, think sales proceeds from property, all of which can be spent. So the question might come to you, well, what about proceeds from a loan? Here, that's not part of gross income. While there's the economic benefit of the cash, it's offset by the requirement that the borrower pay the loan proceeds back to the lender. Realization of income. Income is typically realized with a transaction with another party that allows that economic benefit to be both identified and measured. Deferral of income. Unless income is deferred or excluded, it will be included in gross income in the period dictated by the taxpayer's accounting method. And there are two accounting methods. Let's talk about accrual. Under this method of accounting, income is recognized in the period that it's earned, and this method is typically employed by large corporations. Contrast that with the cash method of accounting, which recognizes income in the period received, or constructively received, and this method offers a simple yet flexible method of accounting used by individuals. We've got three fundamental doctrines of tax law that impact how much, when, and who pays taxes. The return of principal concept, the constructive receipt of income concept, and assignment of income. And let's examine these with some examples. Let's look at example 5-4 in the textbook, which illustrates the constructive receipt of income problem. We're told Courtney's a cash method taxpayer and she's earned a year-end bonus of $4,800. On December 28th, Courtney's supervisor tells her that the bonus was issued as a separate check and that she can pick up that check in the accounting office anytime. Courtney decides not to pick it up until January 2nd of the next year and she doesn't cash it until late January. The question arises, when is that $4,800 taxable? And for tax purposes, Courtney will have been treated as constructively received that check on December 28th because it's been set aside for her and there are no restrictions on her ability to control it. So the constructive receipt rule can be remembered as a taxpayer cannot turn his or her back on income. Let's now look at an assignment of income question. And a good place for that is example 5-5 in the textbook. Courtney would like to begin saving for Darren's college tuition. If Courtney were to direct her employer to deposit part of her salary in Darren's bank account, would that be successful in assigning the income away from the parent to the child? And our answer here, of course, is no. She's going to be taxed on her entire salary because she's been the one who's earned that income. And while the payment to the son could be treated as a gift and not taxable to him, 
the parent is still taxed on it. What if Courtney decided to shift some of her rental income from an apartment building to her son? That would not be effective as well unless the parent had transferred underlying ownership of the building to the son. And that is something most parents would be very unlikely to do for reasons having nothing to do with income taxes. Welcome. In Chapter 5, we're going to examine the meaning of gross income and identify exclusions under the code. The first learning objective asks us to apply the concept of realization and explain when taxpayers recognize gross income. You'll recall gross income is all income from whatever source derived. Unless there's a tax provision saying otherwise, gross income includes all income. It's that straightforward. Whenever a taxpayer receives an economic benefit, that is an item of value, there's going to be gross income. Think cash, think sales proceeds from property, all of which can be spent. So the question might come to you, well, what about proceeds from a loan? Here, that's not part of gross income. While there's the economic benefit of the cash, it's offset by the requirement that the borrower pay the loan proceeds back to the lender. Realization of income. Income is typically realized with a transaction with another party that allows that economic benefit to be both identified and measured. Deferral of income. Unless income is deferred or excluded, it will be included in gross income in the period dictated by the taxpayer's accounting method. And there are two accounting methods. Let's talk about accrual. Under this method of accounting, income is recognized in the period that it's earned, and this method is typically employed by large corporations. Contrast that with the cash method of accounting, which recognizes income in the period received, or constructively received, and this method offers a simple yet flexible method of accounting used by individuals. We've got three fundamental doctrines of tax law that impact how much, when, and who pays taxes. The return of principal concept, the constructive receipt of income concept, and assignment of income. And let's examine these with some examples. Let's look at example 5-4 in the textbook, which illustrates the constructive receipt of income problem. We're told Courtney's a cash method taxpayer, and she's earned a year-end bonus of $4,800. On December 28th, Courtney's supervisor tells her that the bonus was issued as a separate check and that she can pick up that check in the accounting office anytime. Courtney decides not to pick it up until January 2nd of the next year and she doesn't cash it until late January. The question arises, when is that 4800 taxable? And for tax purposes, Courtney will have been treated as constructively received that check on December 28th because it's been set aside for her and there are no restrictions on her ability to control it. So the constructive receipt rule can be remembered as a taxpayer cannot turn his or her back on income. Let's now look at an assignment of income question. And a good place for that is example 5-5 in the textbook. Courtney 
would like to begin saving for Darren's college tuition. If Courtney were to direct her employer to deposit part of her salary in Darren's bank account, would that be successful in assigning the income away from the parent to the child? And our answer here, of course, is no. She's going to be taxed on her entire salary because she's been the one who's earned that income. And while the payment to the son could be treated as a gift and not taxable to him, the parent is still taxed on it. What if Courtney decided to shift some of her rental income from an apartment building to her son? That would not be effective as well unless the parent had transferred underlying ownership of the building to the son. And that is something most parents would be very unlikely to do for reasons having nothing to do with income taxes.